want to get service, selection, and price so low. The record archive is the place to go.
All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Like Jehovah on a Segway, here comes episode 74. (laughs) (laughs) I like the blank stare. (laughs) What Uh, are you saying, dummy? Okay. Well, we started this episode off um, with two locals. First, we kicked it off with Eternal Crypt with City of Wind. Mm Mm-hmm. And then we played the latest Halothane, uh, Terror's Right. That's right. Great stuff. Yes. We always have to start off with some locals. We, yeah. We have so many great locals to choose from. We do. We're lucky. Absolutely. Uh, so how are you doing today? I, I'm okay. Good. I, uh, I have a joke. Mm. Okay. Knock, knock. Who's there? A little old lady. A little old lady who? All this time I had no idea you could yodel. <laughs> that, that's bad. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> that's a real knee slapper. Yeah, you know. That's how I do. Um, so you want to talk about the show today? Yeah, of course. All right. Let's talk about it. <laughs> So we have um, another special guest, Mm -hmm. Nick from Hessian Firm. Yep. Um, This is our first international chat. Yeah, that's right. Nick is in France, and um, his label is Hessian Firm, Mm -hmm. and they're doing really cool stuff. Just repeating everything I just said. Yeah. (laughs) It's because I don't listen to you. (laughs) Huh? (laughs) They also have like a... I mean, we'll talk more about it later in the interview, but they have uh, kind of an editorial article section of the site that does reviews and kind of uh, a bunch of cool stuff. Yeah. um, I actually learned a lot about the label. Obviously, that's why we had a chat with them. Mm -hmm. Um, But I really like his approach. Mm -hmm. It's very unique and different, Mm -hmm. I think, from other labels. Um, It's very collaborative. He has a lot of hands, a lot of heads, a lot of opinions, um, which is good. Yeah, definitely. Um, And, you know, we've been chatting with him, I don't know, for a couple months now, right? I think so, yeah. Um, And he's a really awesome dude. Yeah. We believe in what he's doing and, you know, we've become friends with him and we want to support. Yeah. And he's very passionate about what he's doing. And uh, so are the others that are involved with Hush and Firm. Yep. And it shows, and it's cool, and we like supporting things like that. Absolutely. So shall we? Hello? Nick, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. And you? Good. Very good. Thanks for chatting with us. No, you know, honestly, it's my pleasure. You know, um, I was I was listening to um, to a lot of to uh, your podcast. You know, while preparing for job interviews and such. So, <laughs> it's good. <laughs> well, thank you. It felt good to listen to people. You know, it felt good to listen to people. You know, who are obviously passionate about metal, but you know, who can take the time uh, to go smash. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, can you maybe? Give us an overview of uh, like how you came up with Hessian Firm and like how did it come together? Uh, yeah, well, you know, it's quite a funny story because I'm, 
It started when I was <coughs> 17. Uh, you know, I loved metal, you know, I wanted to play in metal, but there was no one to form a band with, you know, and this is quite weird because I lived in London, right? And, you know, London has always had its history with metal, right? But just uh, for some reason, I couldn't find anyone else, you know, who was willing to play with me. So I remember I tried starting a label back then, but, you know, you know this was the early 2010s and um, there was only a lot of like MySpace stuff, you know, it was all kind of the same-ish, you know, same production, the same riffs, everyone was playing the same thing. So I quickly dropped that. Um, a few years ago, I started uh, reviewing and, you know, just being kind of like a, a critique of music. And it quickly, you know, I quickly came to the, to the realization, you know, that this is just not maybe like the, the best way, you know, to spend my energy. Because, you know, no one cares about, you know, the, the, the reviewers at the end of the day. You know, what matters is like, you know, the people who make things happen, you know. Anyone can sit, you know, behind their PC and say, oh, this is a terrible album. This is a terrible band. Right. But to really go out there, you know, put your effort, you know, put any talent you have, you know, bear yourself out in your lyrics and your playing style, you know, show the, in the entire world your, your mistakes, your shortcomings, everything. That's what takes courage. And, um, you know, I've always played in a, in a, in a lot of bands. And I just wanted to really put, push things further. So I thought, you know, what is there left to, to put in except for my money? Uh -huh. <laughs> and there were a lot of bands, you know, I always had in mind. So, you know, it just came, it just came from my, from a, from a little, I, from an idea I had about 10 years ago. And now it's only now that I finally have, you know, the ability to really put things into motion. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about kind of the, uh, it's a, a record label and kind of a review editorial kind of thing combined, right? There's like two aspects to it. Yeah. Um, you know, when, when I was a reviewer, I was, I was writing for this site that had some, that, you know, some couple of really good reviews, a couple of good articles here and there. But you know, a lot of it was, but then most of it was just a lot of um, very low political stuff that, you know, first I could ignore. Yeah. But then, you know, it just got pushed down off roads. And then, you know, there was nonsense about like cigar reviews and everything. You know, I'm not going to name the site, but it's not hard to find. And, you know, <laughs> at the end of the day, I couldn't ignore it anymore. I had a few people and they're like, oh, look, I really want to get involved with this. But, you know, let, let's keep writing about the stuff we enjoy. So, so the editorial side, you know, whoever has an idea, we just put it out there and, um, we just try to keep things positive and, you know, just trying to share our passion for music in other, other ways, you know, because we have a lot of people who aren't musicians, but who, who love music, who can read it. So they write little analysis articles. We have other guys who, who see the spirit of metal in cinema mm. and, you know, it's just kind of expanding upon that culture that, you know, beyond the music as well. Nice. Uh, we, we took some time to read through the uh some of the reviews and articles and they're very well done very yeah thanks thanks yeah we have a bunch of very talented guys and i always try to encourage them to really go for it as much as they can because you know not not everyone wants to pick up a guitar but you know every you know, but some people still love the music and they need ways to express themselves within it right was it conscious to to make this all in english like the writings um, well well you know i mean despite me being in france um english was is my mother tongue i grew up in um in the uk in london especially and uh, uh, for a time in scotland as well okay and um 
So yeah, and the issue is that uh, French people have a very particular way of uh, approaching metal that I just couldn't quite get. You know, mm-hmm. if you listen to some, you know, French black metal, which which is the main export, right. you can tell that it, you know, it's it's still black metal, but there's something that's completely different to it. You know, there's a very strong um, identitarian and cultural uh, baggage that just comes through French music. You know. And even bands like um, one of the big one, Gojira, for example, mm-hmm. you know, something about them is very inherently French. You know, even despite the fact they write the lyrics in English, um, the singings in English, everything, you know, and you know they're they're inspired by American bands, but you can still tell, you know, they have this kind of French sensibility to it all. Right, right. So, who else is involved with Hessian Firm? Uh, we have um, we have a, we have um, a few writers, especially. So those are the ones who've written. So you have uh, Raphael Alexo, who's been very um, active, who mainly writes, you know, the, the stuff about you know the Hessian cinema, where he picks out a few good uh, classic movies that you know everyone who likes metal should probably at least try to watch because some of them are kind of rough. Uh-huh. We have Sven Eric who is a young uh, death metal maniac who just loves <laughs> to listen to a lot of death metal and he has so many ideas, you know, I just have, look, instead of just, instead of calling me in the middle of the night, just write an article and <laughs> send it to me. It'll be much easier than waking me up. <laughs> no, we have um, a great, uh, one of our spiritual advisors, I like to call him David Rosales, who wrote a book about metal, who's very uh, inspired by philosophy and he spent a, a, a long time trying to reconcile philosophy with metal mm-hmm. and he got some crazy crazy ideas and he goes really deep into uh, satanism spiritism and all that stuff and you know i'm still waiting for him to come up with some crazy article about you know the the satanic spirit of uh, death metal or black metal <laughs> and then b- behind that we have a lot of people who don't who don't want to be um to be named, uh-huh. um, in, including my fiance, who does all the cover and who covers. Um, she makes sure that everything is up to scratch. She does the kind of like really technical design side because you know, that, that's something that she really enjoys doing. Mm-hmm. And you know, she helps. She helps me a lot as well. We we design the we come up with the budgets together. We talk about all the, you know, all the kind of technical aspects together. You know, what should, what should, uh, should we do? Should we sign this band or not? And so she's a she's a silent partner. But without without her, the the whole operation would just crumble tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Would you eventually like this to be your career, or is it? Are you kind of just seeing what happens? Um, I, mean, I love metal way too much for it to be a career. Yeah, yeah. What? It, so, what do you? What is your uh, your professional life? Can we ask what you do outside of the label? Uh, computers. We'll Computer? stick to that. Software okay. engineering, exactly. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Interesting. You guys have a lot in common. <laughs> um. <laughs> So wait, I want to take a step back, if you don't mind. Can I? Does your fiance yeah, no does your fiance listen to metal? Yeah, um, 
she listens to like a, a lot of um, heavy and black metal. But you know, as soon as there's death metal, she just can't stand it for some reason. I, I really don't understand why, but that's how she is. Is it the vocals or like the drumming? Because I know sometimes the drumming and death metal can. Uh, yeah, I I think all yeah, it's probably because of that. But then, um, you know, she's a big Tolkien fan. She loves a lot of fantasy stuff, which is you know very obvious in black metal. But you know, in death metal, you know, that there is none of that. You know, you can't have songs about Gandalf or you know <laughs> Minas Morgul and all that stuff. So where where do you project the the label going, like in the in the coming years? <laughs> Well, hopefully we can find, you know, some some unknown bands, you know, who have no money, no no budget or anything, and we can really help them, you know, release the, the album that they deserve to release. Mm-hmm. But and also in the in the kind of distant future, we plan on grabbing a couple of, you know, of big death and black metal classics, reissuing them, maybe trying to get a few remixes because some of those albums are amazing, but they sound awful, uh, especially on modern speakers. Oh, yeah, yep, that's a good idea. I agree. <laughs> yes, I was. We were talking. Some of my like favorite albums are the sound quality is absolute garbage, but they're they're classics. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah, completely agree with you. So, what do you think your job is as a record label? Um, to literally, you know, push whatever music we believe to and, um, you know, to give the, the artists uh, as much freedom to express themselves and to get their music heard. Because, you know, I, I don't believe these um, black metal elitists when they say, oh, we don't want our music to be heard. We just want to express ourselves in our X philosophy, X ideology. You know, no, anyone who puts music out on the Internet, especially on the Internet, wants to get heard. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you need other people to help you get heard, and that's what record labels should be uh, should be doing, really. You know, just pushing music that they want people to hear. Yep. Completely agreed. Yep. So, what is your process for finding new artists? <laughs> um, recently, it's been it's been kind of a just listening to a bunch of random music, and then someone telling me, "Oh man, you've got to listen to this. Uh, this is the newest thing ever." I check, I check it out, and I, and I either I say yes, either I say no, or sometimes I, you know, I just send it out to to the team and uh, get a head count of who wants who who wants to be involved with uh, with this. Oh, that's cool. So you collaborate with everybody kind of involved with the label, then? Yeah, um, <laughs> I mean, uh, the label it, it's kind of it's more of a collective than anything else. You know, people come in, come out. And, you know, really, I think we're about, you know, maybe 20, 30 people. I'm, I'm like the only constant person here with my fiance. We're the only ones who are doing everything. We have a lot of people coming in and out, chiming um, about what they want to do, about what they think we should do, etc. And, you know, everyone gets a place on the, t- on the table. Do you find that hard to manage sometime? Like the change management side of that? Well, you know, ultimately, I, I make the decisions um, because, you know, I'm the one who puts in the, the money, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, no, I, I don't mind them. Um, you know, these are all people 
uh, you know, some of them I've never met real life in real life, but you know, we've spoken for hours on end, you know, on various uh, apps about metal. So <laughs> I can all, sometimes they don't even have to say a thing, and I know what they're thinking beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> you said you've lived in uh, in Scotland and UK. In, in London, right? Yeah. You said, and, uh, and now in France. Do you see uh, like a cult- cultural difference in like the metal communities in the different countries? Oh yeah. Um, I mean, in England, it's always been much more natural because you know Black Sabbath. You know, so you, you, in in England, you have a history that's date that dates from nineteen seventy. Yeah. So, you know, it's always, you know, that's where it started really before, you know, it really took off in the States in like in late 70s, early 80s. <coughs> Whereas the the French, it, it, you know, it used to be a really taboo and um, it was very badly seen metal, you know, until about what, maybe 2010s when it just exploded. And, um, you know, you walk down the street in any big city in France, you know, you see 50 to 100 people a day, you know, with metal shirts, you know, it, it's so normal now. But because there isn't the, the kind of, um, the heritage that comes with it, uh, mm-hmm. people just kind of flock to whatever is, um, one, well, you know, is selling well, especially in America, you know, it feels a lot, a lot of time it feels like it's just leftover America. Yeah. Despite that, despite here being some fantastic bands, who have been forgotten, you know, especially if you know from the 90s to the 2000s, 2010s. Is Spell Omega as big there as they are in the rest of the world? Oh yeah, definitely. Spell Omega is big. I mean, I mean you know, you've, um, you know, you've said something that's quite interesting because a lot of times French bands have to get bigger elsewhere to get big in France, mm-hmm. which is you know, which is what personally I find that kind of disgusting. Yeah. Because it just shows that a lot of people here aren't able to appreciate the the talent. Yeah. That comes from other places, and um, and it's just very um, and you know, and definitely Spell Omega is a very interesting case because you know I've seen they've had a lot of political controversy in America mm-hmm. with some people, and you know, and uh, what I what I dislike about a lot of these Americans, they. They don't understand French politics. You know, words don't have the same meanings politically. Um, you know, our positions aren't quite the same. So yeah, so so, um, so it's kind of tricky, you know, to really, uh, you know, for a lot of for, for a lot of people to kind of understand the divide there is. Do you have any? Uh, if someone was traveling to France that wanted to experience some uh, metal culture, do you have any suggestions where they might go? I know it's uh, probably a big question. Like, yeah, I mean, if you ask me, really any kind of yeah. No, I was gonna say if you asked the reverse of that, I would I wouldn't even know what to say to that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't know much about France, so I, I thought I'd ask. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, um, if you want to see what French metal culture is. Come to the Hellfest, you know, whenever whenever it opens up again. Mm. Get really drunk, <laughs> and you will see that ninety five percent of the people who go to I don't know how many, no, I think there's like a hundred thousand guests or something per year. Mm. You'll see that ninety five percent of the people are just there to get drunk and don't care about the music. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know they, they have a very popular event in the Hellfest where they steal a bunch of uh, shopping trolleys. 
thing you call them co-ops in America. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> and and they do a lot of jousting with them. You know, they literally you put like three people in, inside one, three people inside the other, and then you have someone behind who has to in, who has to kind of push the people inside, and they have to knock over the other shopping <laughs> trolley. And apparently, that's that's quite a popular event. That sounds like fun, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll come. I mean, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that, that, I mean it's funny because the, the French, in the in the other sense, they can't conceive um, metal culture outside of France because it's so unique here. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, it's like, what do you mean you go to a metal show and you don't eat, you know, cheese and bread, you know, while being absolutely drunk on wine, you know, it's, it's nonsensical. You know, <laughs> it's, it's I mean, that, that's why Hessian Firm, like, I haven't tried to push it, uh, push it too much towards French culture because, I mean, already because, because I have black metal bands on the label who don't sing in French, it's all, almost seen as being treacherous for some mm-hmm. reason. Let's check out one of the many great offerings by Hessian Firm. We're going to check out the song Immolating the Temple by Ancestral Morning.
for someone that hasn't, I should ask you this earlier, but for someone that hasn't heard any of the music on your label, what would you, if you were just describing what your artists sound like um, to them, what what would you say? I know it's you know it's varied be- between like death metal, black metal, heavy metal, right? Yep. Um, what would I what would I say? <laughs> I tell you, you know these are a bunch of bands. I think write good melodies and mm. you know they construct their songs properly. You know, um, personally, my, my big thing when it comes to metal music is, is I like it when, when it's narrative. You know. When songs have like a beginning, a middle part, you know, there's a bit of tension and it kind of leads to this kind of climax or conclusion. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's why I would kind of categorize the label as, you know, just narrative death and black metal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Saying that, that, that kind of leads me to a question that I wanted to ask you later. Um, uh, reading, just reading through the Hush and Firm stuff, um, I read where you're interested in mathematics and I wanted to ask you about music and math being interconnected and have you have you ever considered using a formulaic approach to songwriting for your like the bands that you are in for creating music (laughs) or do you think that makes it too sterile or too mechanical yeah yeah I think it makes it too uh, too mechanical because you know it does have a logic, but then, you know, human logic is so detached from um, mathematical logic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, you know, at any level in mathematics, you know, you can read something and you know it's true, you know it makes sense, but it just doesn't seem to connect in your brain, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you know, uh, have you ever heard of the, um, I think they call it the game show host problem? Mm, no. I, I don't know. What can you explain? It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a very interesting problem. Okay, so um, you imagine you know there's a game show host and and he's presenting you you know free closed doors and behind those doors, one those doors there's a car. Okay. All right. So the game show host he opens one door and opens one door that doesn't have a car, right? And you're pointing at one, and you know, you're pointing at one door, and he opens the other one that doesn't have a car, right? So that leaves that. So what, um, the question is knowing that he opened one door, do you stick to the door that you chose initially, or do you jump to the other one? Well, most people would say, you know what? You're pointing at the door, <laughs> the, show, the game show host opened one door, so that means that you have a 50% chance of, you know, of having the right door, right? Yeah. That, that's how most people would see it. Yeah. Well, that's actually that's actually completely wrong. <laughs> you have a sixty-six percent chance that the car is behind the other door. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you see. So yeah, so for a lot of people, you know, who aren't, um, you know, doesn't have you don't have to be a genius or you know stupid, but it's just a very difficult concept to to really uh, understand. You know, at a at the innate level. So you know you have a lot of stuff like that, and and I've heard you know bands who do things like you know they have like these these, these kind of algorithms you know where they go um, I know you pl- you play the snare on the third downbeat plus something whatever, uh-huh. and you listen to the music and you're like, wow, you played a random pattern. I just can't make sense of it, and I'm not interested in it. So. <laughs> 
Okay, so with that in mind, what are do you have any opinions or thoughts on microtonal music? Uh, I've, I've heard some microtonal metal, but I think it's maybe a bit too early to get something from that yet. Yeah, kind of very hard to do. You know, yeah. I mean, metal is just already such a difficult um, genre of music. You know, I, I just can't imagine you know giving people even more notes to right. do something with it yet. Yeah, yeah. I I find it interesting, but I I can't. I don't know if I like it, but it, I think the concept is very interesting. Oh yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, it doesn't. I know you know certain styles of music have less harmony or or melody than others, but there's almost there's like so many notes that it almost doesn't have any melody or harmony, and and I I don't know. It just doesn't sound right to my ear. I do find it interesting. Yeah, yeah. I completely agree. I do completely agree with you. You know, uh, music's meant to be felt first and foremost. You know. um, <laughs> take what's his uh, what's his name, Ingvi Malmsteen, right? I mean, you hear him talk about music. He knows so many things. Mm-hmm. But really, he's been playing the last, the, you know, for the last I don't know how many years, he's been playing the same album fifteen times in, in a row, and no one cares about how fast his fingers move anymore. All right. That's true. That is true. <laughs> so do you have any um, bands upcoming on your label or potentially that you're going to be working with that you might want to mention? Yeah, um, we have Into Oblivion. Mm-hmm. We're releasing the new EP on September 29th. Very cool. Yeah, we were very happy. I'm... Um, <coughs> I mean, Into Oblivion are known for writing, you know, 15, 20 minute songs. Mm-hmm. And uh, this time with the EP, they took a little risk. They wrote two seven minute songs and one 24 minute song. Oh, wow. And I think the, the, short, yeah, the, the shorter song lengths help them um, a lot this time. They're able to, you know, they have to be a mu- lot more direct. You know, they can't build things up with acoustic guitars for three minutes. So, you know, it forces, forces them to kind of to have a bit more urgency. To, yeah. To really make their statement quickly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have that. Um, after, after that, we have um, Methodus. I can't say more about it at this time. But it's going to be a very uh, interesting release that, that, that explores death and black metal uh, equally. And the band tried to do a lot of weird things this time around. And I, and I think it, it's definitely an experiment, but it works out. And I'm sure a lot of people will enjoy it. Awesome, we're looking forward to it. Yeah, definitely. All right, Nick was kind enough to hook us up with an exclusive Into Oblivion tune off of the new EP out September 29th, Hessian Firm. We're going to hear The Shattering Ascent.
you kind of started you started the label last year right like officially um or no? I, I, uh, officially it was earlier this year right this year yeah I, 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 yeah i mean i i can't remember because I, I had drafts from last year and everything and mm. uh i don't know <laughs> what officially um means in this case you know i think I, it went online yeah this beginning of this year that's when it went online okay so has starting this starting that in the time of the whole COVID thing going on has that had an impact on how you go about doing things with the label oh uh, yeah definitely because uh the people at the post office really got sick of seeing me every day uh, for a while <laughs> <laughs> i was just looking at them, i was just looking at them and making sure that the address was properly noted actually getting tracking on everything because i knew one of the cds was going to end up in the bin instead of you know instead of going uh, towards the the where it should be going mm -hmm. <laughs> i mean um i'm not sure how you had it but when we had COVID here we had um initially we had a total shutdown yeah where you weren't allowed to leave your house for more than an hour uh you know a day oh wow you couldn't you know if, if you went if you went shopping you had to you had to make sure you know that you bought a decent amount of food you you know there was literally very little um you know, leeway to do anything. Wow. And it was kind of it was a very scary, very scary time. So it gave me a lot more time to work on the label. Mm -hmm. Really. And just, you know, I just spend more time on, you know, networking with people on social media, calling everyone, you know, making sure everything's going well. Uh, long conversations with, um, with my fiance about, well, what we should, what should we be doing? And, you know, especially her telling me what I shouldn't do. Like, you know, <laughs> like any, any good fiance should be doing really right <laughs> <laughs> so do you think do you think this isolation from the times that we're living in are gonna show up in art in art and music in some ways <laughs> well you know hopefully now with everyone wearing masks we'll see a lot less masked bands because it won't be as special as it once was. <laughs> you, know, okay. you know, I really think that, you know, masks should be retired from metal. Yeah. Literally, it's just, you know, I think the, you know, unironically, the last band who I really liked, like, mm. I mean, who I liked the, the mask concept was Lordy. And that's mm. when they won the Eurovision in 2007. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's been a bit too much. <laughs> But I, I don't know if it's going to appear or not, you know, pe pe like this is only from my um, kind of uh, subjective opinion, really. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the people already isolated as much, uh, you know, as much as they are, as much as they were in 2019 nowadays, you know, metal has become mainly about, you know, online communities. Um, record shops are dying day by day. Yeah. People are going on discogs. Yeah. You know, people are only seeing each other, you know, at big concerts, um, and especially here, you know, um, the, the city has taken a huge stance against death black music. I mean, that's what they call it. They don't even know what it is, but they just don't want any more death black music. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, no, I, I don't think Mel's going to change. And, you know, it's, all, it's always been about, you know, isolated people. You know, I mean, they even made a genre about it, you know, about, you know, isolated people running in the woods in Norway. 
Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. No, I, I'm not sure it's going to appear in metal. I think pop music will definitely get a lot, a lot more interesting now because it's going to have even a lot more uh, sadness behind it. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, <laughs> there's going to be less songs about you know going to nightclubs and all that because they won't be able to. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't consider so I'm, that. I'm really, you know, I'm really, yeah. Sorry. No, go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm just really curious, you know, especially what party music is going to look like, uh, rather than metal that's always been isolationist from the very start. It's a really good point. Yeah, I never thought of it like that. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. It'll that's- be about Zoom conferences. <laughs> <laughs> so your current releases are available in digital and cd format will you be going down the path of vinyl and cassettes in the future um you know (laughs) the issue of cassette i want to keep things you know um, in terms of production as local as possible Mm -hmm. like they you know less uh shipping so i can really pick things up yeah so um I ended up calling all of the all of the places that that do CDs in the in the area and I can driving distance and none of them do cassettes or vinyl or anything which is really weird. So I'm I'm not sure how I'm going to do that because, you know these are kind of, these are fragile um items and you know shipping them here to then ship them over to somewhere like South America. Yeah. That would be a that would be a big nightmare for now, and you know I'd, I'd really need to study my options and uh, really understand how it works and who wants cassettes, who wants who wants vinyl, and uh, so yeah, I'd, I'd rather uh, avoid that for now and just really focus on getting you know the CDs out, yeah. making sure you know every band gets heard, everyone is you know everyone's happy, the people who are buying the, the stuff really enjoy the product that they're getting you know that they play smoothly in their cd player yeah yeah and you know everyone's getting everything on time um and i, I think also we've been doing quite well for that you know our, our shipping prices for for a european label you know when it regards to america and the world are about the same as it would cost um, an american person to order from an american label so you know that's already tiring as, um, enough as it is with CDs. I don't even imagine what it's going to be like with vinyl. Yeah, yeah, definitely sounds challenging. So do you have? Um, you don't have any French bands on your label, is that correct? Um, yeah, yeah. For now, for now, you know, I've, I've, I've spoken to a lot of um, to a lot of French bands. Uh huh. <laughs> But the if, but one thing I really want from um, a French band, which none of them have been able to to do recently, or maybe one of a couple apart from a few exceptions in the nineties, is to really uh, really give it a strong French touch that has nothing to do with um, the kind of far right extremism that's been really popular in French black metal in the last couple of years. Uh-huh. Now I'd really like to see a, a proper French band doing things the French way. And you know, not sounding like a Norwegian band that happens to have French lyrics because that you can't even understand without the booklet. Yeah. And yeah. And that's been my my um, major concern. You know, I love the culture, I love the people here, but you know, there's a, there's a divide between um, between Hessian firm and French metal scene, and I, I doubt we'll ever conquer that. You know? hmm. 
Hmm. Let's check out some Finnish black metal on the Hessian label. This is Rudin Serpi with the song Seven.
so you've uh, you are currently and have been in quite a few bands, right? Yeah, yeah. Are are you comfortable talking about any of those? I, yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I have some. Um, wait, officially, yes. Yeah, so I have uh, Kepler, uh-huh. uh, Brutal Spear, mm-hmm. and uh, Six Emperor Tyrannus. Those are the uh, the ones that have released something for now. Because well, I didn't feature on Brutal Brutal on the Brutal Spear record, but we've recorded um, a, an album just now, and we're just waiting for it to be mixed. Uh, Kepler Kepler's a funny story. Um, Kepler's just a bunch of really a bunch of friends I met in university and we were sitting in the back of the class and just talking about our guitars because the class was way too boring and you know we really grew together you know we started from from the bottom and we slowly improved and uh, you know the first, we released the first EP and we realized what it is we you know it's not the greatest thing ever it's, it's not even that good we don't even listen to it much but it's a starting point for what we think will be you know, even better music in the future. I listened to some of the Kepler stuff on Bandcamp and I, I thought it was, I really liked it. It was interesting. And kind of, I checked out that, um, Brutal Sphere, the Six Semper Tyrannus, and Yearn for Change. Are you, were you involved with that? Um, yeah, that was a, that was a weird uh, situation because uh, <coughs> they... They were there were initially a few people I, I met, and they, you know they were playing melodic death metal. But when I got in, because you know I didn't, there was another guy who was on the EP who had to leave for a bunch of reasons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they wanted to do more kind of classic death metal mm-hmm. stuff, you know. We know without you know the constant Iron Maiden like melodies and everything that you find in the melodic death metal style. Yeah, but we never managed to get you know anywhere beyond a few recordings. So that kind of died. That that died. And for some reason, on metal archives, no one you know, no one cares enough, you know, <laughs> to to change, you know, the band to, to ended, you know. Uh huh. I got you. So it's no more. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's no more. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, you know, that was a band that's been going around for like fifteen years. It had a lot of members, and you know, it, it ended up being, you know, I came in the middle of um, you know, the separation and. <coughs> We were supposed to do live shows, write new out and write new songs, but nothing ever happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the Six Semper Tyrannus band is pretty interesting. Um, it's kind of people from there's some people from the U.S. I think in there, right? It's kind of uh, people from three or four different countries. Yeah. Is that true? Um, yeah, uh, yeah. There's a uh, France, Switzerland, and. Yeah, the U. Well, I think it's the Swiss guy who who lives um, a lot of the time in the U.S. Oh. But, but yeah, that, that was quite a funny project because you know it was uh, um, everyone was you know it was a, a French black metal band in style. Uh-huh. But because you know I feel very little connection to that, I wrote I went for a much more uh, American you know death metal approach uh-huh. vocally on that one, and you know there was a lot of influences, and no one was you know, living in the same place at all. And I, I think we made something that was quite interesting because <laughs> it was just kind of a, you know, a mixing pot of very different influences from people who've never met each other. Yeah. And who probably will, sadly never will because, you know, we all have very different lives. How did that come together? 
<laughs> that was a hilarious story actually it was a some guy on the uh, on the internet wanted to start, a, start an online project and you know he was promising the the moon literally you know, <laughs> uh, just telling everyone oh you know if you do if you do this i will pay you x amount uh, everything and when it started you know 2018 i was a you know university student and you know you say what someone's gonna pay me to literally scream uh to scream black metal oh you know i'm in definitely <laughs> <laughs> but, but the the guy who did it he uh we had a lot we have a huge falling out with him so he decided to kick everyone out <laughs> and we changed that so we just said like you know what we're just going to do the band, but without you, <laughs> essentially. That is funny. <laughs> Did you use the same name or a different name? Yeah, um, I'm still quoted as Nick on there. No, I mean... But the, the, the guy who kicked... Yeah. No, I meant the band uh, name. Oh, for the name, no. No, the, the, the band name was about... Um, what's it called? A Native American uh, demon. Uh, Wendigo? That's what I was... I think, yeah. That's what it's called. Huh. Okay. Like, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, it was about uh, na Native American demons. Okay. So. Well, I think I think the current Six Emperor is uh, is a better name. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, at, at, the, at the time we didn't realize that um, Six Emperor Tyrannus means a lot for Americans. Uh huh. You know, because of your revolution and everything, and it was only after I was like, oh wait, <laughs> <laughs> this is this is tied to American history, damn. That's oh, alright. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you play out in any of these bands? Um, no. Uh, yeah, Kepler. We did um a bunch of uh, really small sh uh, shows bef just before COVID, mm -hmm. <laughs> and you know, by the time we were really ready to, you know, with a stable lineup to to, to play, you know, COVID happened, so we couldn't. Yeah. Do you miss playing out? Oh yeah, definitely, yeah. <laughs> definitely. I, I love it. Yeah. Honestly, you know, I I love it most when you have a when it's like an open night. You know, with like different bands from different styles playing in a bar, mm -hmm. and you know, you've got like ten, you know, like pop bands, blues bands, and everything, and just people relaxed, drinking, you know, inside. And the moment we come on, and I let out the first growl, and just their <laughs> reaction, you know, that that is. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's it's childish for me, but I just I just can never get enough of that. You know, the look of disgust and horror on people's faces. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's your motivator. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean my my motivator is, is you know I believe that metal allows us to express a lot of things, mm -hmm. and uh, you know sometimes screaming at a microphone is better than punching a co-worker in the face yeah yes definitely <laughs> <laughs> so what is your involvement with freestyle wrestling um oh yeah uh yeah uh, I, I compete a lot in freestyle wrestling whenever i can hmm. what what exactly is that um freestyle wrestling it's well, it's the um, one of the styles of wrestling that is present in the Olympics. Okay. So it's like the international form of wrestling. You know, uh, re you know, wrestling means like a million different types of uh, yeah. martial arts. You know, that that vary from country to country, from culture to culture. Everyone has their own rules. Yeah. As just some people said, you know, what? we're just going to unite them, and we're just going to have one safe form of wrestling that everyone on earth can practice. Do you compete? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I try. 
<laughs> I try to go to as many competitions that I can, you know, of all that. All levels, you know. Sometimes, sometimes I get destroyed, and I and I go back home with limping. Sometimes I come home with a medal, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> you can never tell. <laughs> it's good. For, it's good. For, honestly, you know, I recommend anyone, you know, to find an activity, you know, like a physical activity that makes them sweat, yeah. and to do it at least once or twice a week. Yeah. Yeah. From what I understood, you're just outside of New York City, right? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't understand how America really works. To no, be honest. Well, that's fine. We I, we live here and we don't really understand. So, <laughs> um, we're we're like five hours from New York City, a five hour drive. Okay. Yeah. So we're not, right, yeah. we're not right there at the city, but it's not too far away. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's another cultural difference, you know. Five hours for, you, for Americans, you know. That, that's an easy drive, you know. For French people, are like, what do you mean five hours? That that's, might as well be a different planet, as far as yeah. I'm concerned. <laughs> that's another country, right? For you. <laughs> uh, five, well, five hours. Five hours. I'm in Spain. I'm in literally the center of Spain in five hours. Yeah. Yeah, we're still in the same <laughs> state. <laughs> I mean, that's insane. I mean, if I was live, if I was living on um, the east side, you know, that could. In five hours, in five hour drive, you know, northeast France, I could go to Luxembourg, Belgium, Holland, and end up in Germany at the end, pretty much in five yeah. hours. It's <laughs> crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Very, di- it's very different sense of a uh, scale. You know, uh, the other day I, I learned that uh, California is bigger than the UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's by, huge. By, by quite, quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, <laughs> you know, how is how is that possible? Yeah. <laughs> I've heard like bands that do like world tours that they kind of have a hard time in the United States because of like the vast, you know, spaces between, you know, you know what I mean? Like they're still in the same country. Whereas if they're doing this in Europe, they'd be in a different country each day. But here it's like a a different um, state each day. I mean, there was a documentary about a, a big European band who who did that, and um, um, I know I think it literally drove them uh, absolutely crazy, and uh, to the point of being suicidal. You know, spending the whole day driving, you know, <laughs> from one place to another, and and just being surprised. They're like, wait, no, you're you're just that that after a whole day, they're just two cities over from the last one. <laughs> right. <ridiculous laughs> like <that>. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So you mentioned that uh, masks should go away and uh, for musicians. Does it, does a uh, corpse paint yeah. count as a mask, or is that different? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Cor- corpse paint—it's just ridiculous, you know. That that <laughs> needs to go away too. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. I don't know what you you think you think, but <laughs> I don't know. I've always seen it as being kind of childish. Maybe you know. Yeah. In the nineties, in that really small circle in Norway, mm-hmm. it meant something. Yeah. But I wasn't I wasn't there and the only time I've seen people wear corpse paint is, you know, when they're drinking beer from like a ridiculous horn or something. So. <laughs> <laughs> <Got you. laughs> Black metal's one of those styles of music that um I find myself making fun of pretty often, but I, I also love it. But I, I like to make fun of it too because there's a lot of ridiculous elements to it. Yeah, me too. I mean, 
There's a band that um, I absolutely love from your neck of the woods called Havo Hedge. Oh yeah, They're from New, New Jersey, New yeah New Jersey. Maybe they re- they moved to New York. I think yeah. when yeah, they what, got bigger uh, under name. Pro- yeah, so, so. No, I was just gonna say um, that's Paul from Profanatico's other project. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know what's funny in in America, you, know, you guys pay like. Forty dollars to see Prof and Attica. Uh-huh. Uh, I I got to see them in a squat, right? Where I paid like I don't know, fifteen cents, you know, in one cent coins because that's what I had in my wow. in my wallet. Wow. Like I love Prof and Attica, but the, the, just the whole dr- the, the 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 dresses, everything—it was just ridiculous, you mm-hmm. know. <laughs> and even you know on the albums, you know they have these, uh, you know, on the Have a Hedge album, the Throne the Son of God. The last track is like is this just a cappella? And it's just Paul Ledney going, "Fuck the church, <laughs> fuck the name of Jesus, sodomize the holy asshole." Like, like three for three minutes, you know, rip the sacred flesh. <laughs> you can go check it. It's like it's literally it's the last song on the album. It's, it's, it's a title track. <laughs> you know, sometimes I just scratch scratch my head, and then you. You know, there obviously are a lot of other crazy people like Proscriptor from Absu, you know, uh, or the, yeah. the Texan band. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, they've gone into controversy that, you know, I, I don't I don't touch, you know, Hessian firms are apolitical as far as we're concerned, but yeah. just the, the character in general, the way, you know, he writes his messages on Facebook, you know, where he, he cites like 15 different Babylonian demons who have guided him, you know, to, to come to say something or something ridiculous. Where did you see Profanatica? Uh, we have this very uh, infamous squat where, you know, we're a bunch of artists living living there, you know, very talented artists. Uh-huh. And they, they managed to catch a few big bands, you know, on the way when they go from France to Spain. And because they, they, I don't know, they have like a, they get donations and all that. So they charge the, the, you know the people coming to see the gig. They, it's like um, you pay whatever you can, really, or whatever you want, you know. <clears throat> and then people just end up, you know, spending a lot of money on alcohol. So they use that kind of use that money to keep things alive. Interesting. I don't know that we have yeah. anything like that here. No, we don't. Not that I've heard of. That's pretty cool, though. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, we have a very complicated laws in regards to squatters' rights and everything. Mm-hmm. You know, in France, like you, you can't leave people outside of uh, you know some, a shelter. You know, no matter the condition, as long as it's winter. You know, you can't let people die on the street, on the streets. Mm-hmm. So uh, a lot of times, a lot of abandoned buildings get transformed, kind of very punky, um, artistic uh, zones of expression. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that we have anything like that here. Yeah, I don't think we do. It's not always the cleanest place, but then you know, what? I, I can always appreciate you know someone doing their best, you know, to get as many artists as they can for as cheap as possible, and just really sharing the music, you know, with people who you know a lot. A lot of kids don't, you know, don't have the money to be able to pay, you know. I don't know, fifty dollars to see you know a big uh, I don't know behemoth arch enemy and all that you know mm-hmm. and it, it it's you know it's it's unfair you know I find it kind of unfair that you know some people don't have access to the arts or culture in general and that everyone should be given that opportunity one way or another. 
Yeah. Completely agree. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So I have a, I have an important question for you, Nick. Yeah. Okay. If if a turtle doesn't have a shell, is it homeless or naked? <laughs> uh, I think it's dead, is it? Isn't it dead by any chance? Yeah, maybe you're right. Good answer. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be able to answer that. So is is there anything else that you'd like to um promote or discuss in closing? Um yeah. Quickly, um we have the Goat Craft Plutonian Troll that's coming out on Friday, fourth of September. You know, which Goat Craft being a neoclassical artist who makes metal like music but you know solely on the piano mm-hmm. with a lot of classical um stylings and everything and this this time he uh, Lone Goat, the, the creative force behind Goatcraft, has branched towards ambient music. And then we, on the other side of the split, there's Plutonian Shaw, who make this very kind of uh, how how does very unique form of black metal. You know, yeah. that, that sounds a bit like the Greek stuff. You know, like the early Rotten Christ, the Varathon stuff. Yeah, it's given its own little twee- twist, <coughs> and both sides. Both sides flow into each other very well, and it's definitely an interesting uh, listen for anyone you know who's a fan of both black metal and neoclassical music. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I I'm familiar with Plutonian Shore, and uh, I haven't seen their name in a while, so it was I did see that listed on on the site as as upcoming, and that is that's exciting. Yeah. Um, very cool. Because, uh, the last uh, the last EP they did. They were unable to release it physically, and you know I I, th- I thought it was a as a as a shame, <laughs> and, I, and I hope you know the the band will get together and start turning out more music after that. They released their EP digitally about two years ago, but there was no one there to release it physically. So I thought you know this deserves a physical release. <laughs> Goldcraft came up to me on with the idea. Let's put them all together, and you know hopefully. <laughs> The kind of the mix between neoclassical and black metal works for people. Yeah, that's that's cool. I'm uh, definitely going to check that out, and hopefully everyone listening will. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. Sounds well, thank great. you very much for having me. You know, you have you have quite a sizable um, platform and everything, and it just helps us, you know, a lot to to move to get the word out. Well, thank you for uh, talking to us, and we wish you all the success in the future. And if there's anything we thank can you. do to help, yeah. let us know. Yeah, definitely. We love what you're doing, and <laughs> keep doing it. All right, thank you very much, guys. Thank right. you. Have a good one. You, you too. too, Nick. Take care. Bye. Well, that was a fun chat. It was. It's always interesting when you kind of um, establish, uh, you know, an online relationship with somebody. And you're communicating with text. You know what I mean? Yeah, and then you talk to them. Yeah. Yeah. Um it's 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 cool. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I I liked Nick a lot in text and it it, it translated you know, to to live interaction. He's he seems like a genuinely good person and very likable. Well I'm glad you weren't disappointed. I and was I'm not sure he appreciates that too (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, so we're going to wrap up the show with a couple of Knicks bands, right? Yeah. Yeah. Knicks been involved with some cool stuff. And uh, we're going to showcase two of those bands in closing. Okay. Um, we're going to kick it off with Kepler with the song A World Beyond Imagination, The Graveyard of Stars. Very nice. And then to close it out, we're going to hear Six Semper Tyrannus with the song In Singularity. Before we close, please stay safe. Stay healthy. Ne sois pas un enfoiré.